I feel like somebody needs to repent for their attitude about the fresh snow that God gave you this morning. Pastor Aaron was like, have you looked outside? And I'm like, just read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. <laughs> I knew you were coming to the second service. Was last week uh, good in our family series? Where I like bled a little. You guys seem to like it when that happens, which is depressing. But I talked a little bit about um, my fears and, you know, the triggers that I have. And, and, uh, and then I got a text from, uh, from Paul uh, Reglan. No, I'm not going to name any names. I got a text from a guitar player on the worship team. Because we're not like that. We don't name names around here. And he asked me if I wanted to go for coffee on Monday. I'm like... It was pretty funny, actually. That's a problem with being sarcastic pastor, that you have sarcastic sheep, and so, you know, I get it. But um, it's actually, we went out, you know, and you know what he said to me? It was sort of funny. He says, hey, our family's not going anywhere. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? Like, were you thinking of it? Like, I, that's on me. That's my trigger. God is working on me. Is God working on you in this series? Um, hey, we, uh, just a couple of quick things. We have a child dedication coming up. If you have, like, children that have never really been dedicated to God, you're like... We want God's will to happen in their lives, and we need the church family to do it. You know, that's really what it's for. And if, if, uh, if that's you, just go and get some more information or ask any questions at the brick wall. And there we would love to be able to help you, uh, help you out with that. Um, we have a baptism coming up on May the 1st. And so baptisms are like favorite time as a church. And so if you've made the decision privately that you're, you know, it's like coming to the realization that sin is a problem and sin keeps you out of God's family and that Jesus died and his blood it says covers our sins and actually pays the ticket of adoption that's what salvation is and we just move and say like okay this is my old life that I bring to you God I want you to have the rest of it whatever it looks like you know and that's really salvation that's the gospel message and if you've made that decision or you're ready to make that decision we can formalize that in the prayer corner after but then it's uh, you know back in the day it was like okay you made that decision great let's go get baptized tonight and so uh, there wasn't supposed to be all this space between that decision and going public with that decision. And uh, I think that the enemy has kind of separated that and be like, oh, wait for a few years until your life gets cleaned up. And I'm like, you don't get cleaned up before you go get a shower. Like we're actually literally cleaning you up in the baptism tank that we just made. Does that make sense? It's like, no, I just need a shower quick. You're like, you're using like wet wipes. It's going to take a while. And it's <laughs> our baptism is coming up. You're going to love it. Um, I feel like this table is higher than normal. I'm like a squirrel. Is that better? Do you feel like that's better? Yeah. Do you care? Maddie, do you care? <laughs> this is not a democracy. Okay. <laughs> I gotta make y'all happy anyways. My triggers, just don't leave. Um, <laughs> uh, we are actually adding three, uh, two or three small groups. Uh, so, cause we have so many more people. And so we are just adding some great small groups. Alpha small group is coming. So if you're like coming back to God or coming to God, you have all these questions. Maybe you grew up in a church where you weren't allowed to ask any questions. It was always like, just believe. And you're like, I don't know what to believe. And I have all these things in my head. You know, um, that is a terrific small group for like introduction to the basics of Jesus and, and, uh, nothing is off limits there. And so, um, so, okay. I'm, I'm going to get, can I just dive in? Thanks, Sean. I appreciate all the help. Um, I'm just going to dive into how family works, uh, our series that we're in right now. Um, today's sermon is called Not the Enemy. And I wanted to uh, preach a little bit today 
about how your family and your dynamics and your friendships and all of your relationships are really meant to be lived uh, as part of a greater family and specifically the local church, venue church, if this is your church, um, how, the, how, the, how your family and your relationships fit into a much greater uh, picture and how the church is not the enemy of your family. So if the enemy, the real enemy could get you to like trade the church, it's like, well, I gotta be careful. Okay, that's what the sermon is about. How God actually works all these things together for your good and how his family actually, your family can be a part of his family. Now there's two options. I was, I was thinking about this. There's two options. This is what the spirit was saying to me. The Holy, when I say the spirit, it's um, in prayer and in the reading of the word and studying of the word for this. He'll just like almost highlight things for me, for you. And so I felt like this was kind of like highlighted is this idea that you have two choices in how do you want to raise your family or if you're in a relationship, how you want to interact with just friends or there's two decisions really in how you do that. There's the natural way of doing things, which is like kind of the, the what you can do in the natural. And then there's the supernatural. Now the supernatural is when God plugs you into some real power. And so there's the decisions that we make are like, do I raise uh, according to natural or according to, to supernatural. Now, now the, the problem with the world, my next series, uh, getting ready for Easter is called death of a world. Like there's so much death happening in the world right now that the world is like breaking apart and you're going to see that, that how God brings his repairing and his fixing in. But if you try to operate within a relationship in your family and in a relationship with God and his family in a natural setting, in a natural way, is very limiting. So let me, just, let me just go like this. You have talent. You have things that you're good at. There's lots of things Jason is not good at. You know, there's, I was like, pick up Jason. Nice shirt, I like your shirt. The, there's, there's these natural things that I'm good at. And, and so as I'm raising my kids or I'm interacting with my wife or I'm interacting with you or my friends, you know, like, did I say you or my friends? I need a psychologist. What do you think I meant by that? Um, <laughs> there are these things that, that the natural is, uh, it's, it's, it's limiting. And let me explain it like this. In the Garden of Eden, which, which was an actual place, you know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were connected directly to God. But when sin came in and fractured that, we actually left the Garden of Eden and then we entered into this world which was now a broken place. And so... So sin separates from God and separates from each other. That's why when God is like, hey, live your life this way, he's trying to rid you of sin and bring holiness there because sin always pulls you apart from the very people that God wants you with and himself. And so that's why, and so sin is separating us from God and sin is breaking the world, but it's breaking the world in a way that is decaying it. Are you ready? Faster than your personal talent in your scenario can outrun it. So there's more sin in the world and more devastation and more brokenness and more, there's more of that in the world than any human can outrun it. There are humans who do good things, but they'll never outrun the greater evil in the world because the entire world is broken. It says it's sick. There's something in the water. There's something that makes us always go back to sin and always go back to self and always go back to selfishness. And, and so there's two ways that you can raise your family. You can try to, to raise your family and the enemy wants this for you. He wants you to raise your family and your friends and he wants you to, to interact according to the natural, which is according to the way that you like to do things and the way that you see the world and the way that now that works for a little bit. 
You know, do we got any people, you know, dating, dating in here? Or, you know, I mean, you're not going to raise your hand. Do we have any single people in the house? <laughs> Dude, guys, you're so stupid. If you're single, like... <laughs> That's why you're not married. I'm just saying. That's one of the reasons right there. You need some of the married guys to be like, man, my hand was in the air. I'm looking around for like, I need a church girl. Let's do this. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go off on that. The, um... Oh, man, you got me all distracted. Um, at first, you know, if, if you're in a dating relationship or something, you have all this chemistry and you got a favorite song and you got all this stuff, you know, 20 some years into marriage, you know, however many years that is definitely more than 20. Definitely. How many years do you think it is? So do I, this is a test for you. Um, you know, at the beginning, whenever Aaron and I now we hear, cause we, we are still married in spite of a whole lot of things that the devil tried to do. Like, so we kind of like, thank you, Jesus. And if God can fix this, then God could do a lot in your life too. And so, but you know, when you're first together, you have the, like a song, you know what I mean? Like we got our song and we listen to our song. We feel stuff, you know? Um, now when we see couples dating, you know, we, we privately get back in the car ride on the way home and we're just like, Ugh. Let me throw up in my mouth a little bit, you know, <laughs> because we're like, we've seen the limitation of chemistry. And when you meet somebody new or just a friend, you have all this chemistry, you got this going for you. You have a baby, you have all this adrenaline and this, you get a new job. You have all this like adrenaline and this like honeymoon phase, but the honeymoon doesn't say the honeymoon for very long. Then you got to like live with, you get to live with, you get to live with, you get to, but if you keep trying to live according to the natural and what you can cook up inside of you, like you're good at a few things, but the, the power of sin and the degradation of the world around you, and then sin gets seated in there in, our, in relationships, and the power of sin will always end up outrunning your personal human talent because you are, it says, born into sin. So there's something at work inside of you trying to sidetrack you and trying to get all you to... So in spite of your best efforts, I mean, the Apostle Paul said, I do the things that I hate. And I don't do the things that I ought to do. Now, if, if you're not the Apostle Paul, and if you think like that, you, you're just not the Apostle Paul. I'm just going to say that. But even he was like, hey, there's something at war within me. I don't know how to solve this natural problem. Now, um, you know, the, the part of the curse of mankind was that weeds will grow faster than crops. Weeds always grow in your relationship. I mean, if you're not careful with, with kids, it's like weeds are growing in their little lives because they were exposed to stuff that I wasn't exposed to. And I'm like, the, the weeds and the effects of sin is always going to have the ability in the natural to outrun however talented you think you are, however strong you think you are. There will be a breaking point where sin outruns you at some point. Now, now um, it's true in a way that there's only in you as a human, until we tap into the supernatural, that there's only so much forgiveness in you that you can give, like as a human, you know what I mean? There's only so much love. There's only so much generosity. There's only so much patience. There's sooner or later, you're going to hit your breaking point and you're going to do all the things that you wish that you wouldn't do because you're, you're still bound in this natural law and this natural world that's happening. And here's, here's another thing to remember. Um, you don't know everything either. So as smart as you think you are, you can't tell the future. You can't tell like God does the past from the beginning. So you're going to raise your kids according to what you see. But what about all the things that icebergs that you don't see that you don't even know that the enemy is planning for you because you're not omniscient and all powerful and you don't know what's coming basically. And so, um, and so I was thinking about this. How does God deal with, um, 
this natural, and, and how do you get into the supernatural? Because there are things in the natural called obediences that if you obey in the natural, it actually unlocks the supernatural. I was, I was thinking about this with, um, do you guys know uh, who Crystal, um, Crystal Canfield in the church is? She's right over there with her awesome husband, Quinn. And so um, they're great friends of ours. And I was thinking back in the day, you know, God told Pastor Aaron and I, like, bring her on to church salary. Now, we don't have a lot of, like, church salaries. 99% of what we do is volunteer because we think you're the ministers of the gospel. We're just trying to, like, train you and get you out into the mission field. And so, um, but there are some, like, admin stuff that we need to do. And, and uh, uh, Crystal was already functioning for, for volunteering in so many things. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, like, so offer her one day a week paid at the church. Um, but at the time, she's like, well, I can't afford it. I need a full-time job, and one day a week won't pay the bills, right? And so this is what I felt like the Holy Spirit said to her, but through me. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, the boss that you're, uh, I can't remember how this went, but the boss that is, is, is asking you and inviting you in to that full-time job, um, ask him if it's okay if you don't work Wednesdays for him, but you work Wednesdays for the church. And she says, I can do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know. I just feel like the Holy Spirit told me to say that. So she did. And the boss is like, that totally works for me. Now, because of that o obedience, um, now actually, ironically, I, uh, April the 1st, uh, she's going to be here full time. Because as the church is growing, we're able to do that. And so God, God bless that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. As I poured out that to her, um, God pours blessing into me and into my life and into my family's life because I was a conduit for him, right? And then God blessed her and her family and they actually just moved to Airdrie right now. And so this whole thing, like God blessed her and Quinn and the kids and her family. And then God also blessed you. And so there's this knock on effect that you got to think about it like this in the natural, you just, she would just be like, well, I can, or I can't it's either or, or. Because in the natural, you're just dealing with like the gas tank is only so full and when it runs dry, then it runs dry and I can't do this anymore, you know? I cannot respect my husband anymore because the tank is dry and he wrecked it. Because he's a man. Now, but like I, there's only so much and it's either or. Now the supernatural gets you plugged in to a, a whole different matrix where it's like both and. Like, no, actually you can do that thing and the other thing because the power of, you're plugging it into a power source that has the ability to outrun the negative effects of the broken world in your life and the negative effects. And so God actually plugs you into something that's greater and stronger. So um, now she just gave her two, two weeks notice last week. I was talking with Quinn and I'm just like, we gotta like, there's like ways to quit jobs and there's ways to like quit jobs. Have you seen that Simpsons where Marge is like, well, if this doesn't work out, you can always get your old job back. And he's like, not the way I quit. And I'm like, we need to, I'm just trying to get like Quinn, like, Quinn, like, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. And here's what I've been thinking about you the whole time. Like, do it. If you're going to quit, do it. She probably did like one of those, like, it's not you, it's me. I'd have been like, it's you. It's only ever been you. Um, <laughs> now listen, every... Now here, here's my main thought today. Walk away with this today. Every relational decision you make is choosing, are you ready? Between your way and God's way. Every relational, every time you get in an argument, every time you want something, every time somebody needs something, every time your child, every time your friend, every time your boss or an employee, every time there's a relational interaction, you have two decisions. It's multiple choice and A is God's way and B is your way. There's no other choices to make there. Now, 
Why are you saying this? It seems a little evident. Okay, let me say it like this. The devil, what, he, what he's not trying to sell you is his way. He's not trying to get you to decide between God's way and his way. He's trying to get you to decide between God's way and your way. Because his way is way too obvious. So, so when you're resisting temptation, you're fleeing temptation and you're like... You think that it's like, well, this is obviously the devil's way and this is obviously God's way. No, there's another way that he's actually tempting you with more and that's doing it your way. So like, well, my way, well, your way is actually talented in some areas. Like you're good in some situations. Like my way with my child in this situation actually works out pretty good. But when they're two, they need a, a different dad than when they're 12. And what works in that stage, you know, I would say like this, what works in the nurturing stage, sometimes the nurturers have difficulty in the discipline stage because it's actually, you know what I'm saying? One is like pulling close and the other one's like, dude, put pants on. Nobody else has kids here. What happens when your family needs something that you're not good at? What happens when you're ordering your family and you're, you want your relationship to work the way that you want it to work because you think that you know the best? You know, the power struggle in your world right now is, is the real power struggle is between your way and God's way. It's not between you and your spouse. It's not between you and your teenager. It's between you and God. And if you would give up the struggle, then the problems in your family and the problems in your relationship and at work become God's problems. But you have to plug into the supernatural way that he speaks to you in the supernatural way of... So, now, think about it this way, because I feel like some of you are still stuck on the, like, the devil's not tempting me with the devil's way. Think about it like this. When the devil fell into sin, who tempted him? Before there was a devil. Because at once he was Lucifer. He was, the, he was the son of the morning. I mean, he was like a big deal in heaven. He was like an archangel. He was like... There's thought in the church that he was like the worship leader of heaven. That they would have created worlds through the... And, and what tempted him to give in to sin? It wasn't the devil because there was no devil. In fact, there was no sin yet. The first sin was created because he decided to go his way. He, he said, I will ascend. He sees God and he's like, I can do that. I can do what God does. And God's looking at Lucifer and being like, all the things that you created for me and all this stuff, you created through my power. And you think that you can just step outside of this thing and do what I do and climb the mountain of God? That's what it, and he was cast out of heaven because he chose his way and he knows that he got Adam and Eve to choose, ready, their way. Because sooner or later in the natural, the fruit on that tree looks pretty good. Sooner or later, it will seem good. This is what the scriptures say. It seemed good to them. They're like, yeah, God wouldn't keep that from us because God wants good things for us. And God's like, don't touch that thing, man. You don't want to know what you, you don't want to know what you don't want to know. He's like, let me be God. Let me decide morality. And the enemy offered them, ready? He, the enemy didn't offer them hell's philosophies. He offered them their own. He said, well, you can actually decide. See, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to know good and evil. What he's saying is like, you have to experience these things to know so that you can make up your own mind. So what's the main temptation and the main shift that needs to happen in your family? Your way. Every decision you make in an argument is deciding whether you're going to go your way and try to get everybody to go your way or whether you're going to go God's way. 
Now, sometimes your way and God's way kind of look alike. But listen, there's a difference between doing something God's way and doing something your way. There's a huge difference in there because even the right thing in a scenario can turn into the wrong thing if it's done your way. Because the enemy can trap you in your own good things too. How do you know, pastor? Experience. I'm just absolutely convinced that I'm doing the right thing. And God is like, no, but this is the right thing your way, which eventually becomes the wrong way because I get trapped in a natural system that I eventually sin, the power of sin will outrun me and the power of the things that I don't know and the power of things I can't change start outrunning me. Is this good? Is this helping you? Now, it's just a vital shift in thinking in your family. Like your decisions in disciplining that child are not doing it your way. It's, it's the decisions are whether I will do things my way or whether I will do things God's way. That's why we have the fear of the Lord when we raise children because you don't get to keep them. And here's what I would say. Whose kids are they? You think they're yours? Whose money is in your bank account? You think it's yours, right? And it's the power struggle is deciding who's God of it all. Because the scriptures say that every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. And then Jesus turns around and gives everything to the father and, and see us in our, like, how do I say the subpar authority structure? Cause we're never, we, you think you'll be happy at the top, but you aren't because nobody at the top is happy until they bend their knee to Jesus. Jesus turns around and gives it all to God, the father. And you're like, well, that must be hard on Jesus. Jesus is like, no, there's only one. There's only ever been one. That is his fulfillment. That is his significance. Society is telling you right now, like, you know, trust yourself. Trust your heart. Your heart will know the right one. Don't look at the divorce rate, but your heart will know. No, your heart only knows what it knows. And your see, the word of God says this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Like, your heart thought it was a good idea every sin you ever did. It talked you into it, like, oh, that feels good. And God's like, don't do it. Oh my goodness, are you stupid? Like, are you crazy? This is going to wreck your life. It's not going to. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he said, I am the way. I will show you the father's way. He said, I never say anything but what the father says. I never do anything but what he does. I just watch and do. And we're in this thing where society's like, the more decisions you make, some of you think that because I'm pastor of the church that I get to make a lot of decisions. I'm responsible for a lot of decisions, but that's the difference. I'm responsible for a lot of decisions, but I don't really try to make a lot of decisions. I try to execute a lot of decisions made for me. Let me show you how it works. Cause I've learned, and if God can deal with a stubborn kid like me and take all the years that he did to teach me how this works, like you can just learn the lesson or you could go through the pain that I went through. Pastor Nate, I was on the phone with him the other day. He's one of my pastors. And he said, hey, that thing that you're thinking about doing? I'm like, yeah, the thing that my staff is already like getting prepared to do. And my wife, I'm, everybody's on board. I'm like, he's like, yeah, that thing. He's like, don't do that thing. And then he starts talking. I'm like, I don't need a reason. I've learned just a long time ago. See, look at Paul the apostle. You want to talk about a talented guy. He was one of the top, his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was one of the top guys in Israel, the top minds in Israel. Like he's smarter than you are. And he's smarter than, he's a hundred times smarter than I am. But everything that he was good at and his talent, even in the natural, the enemy was taking and using it to persecute the church. And it says that Jesus knocked him down on the road to Damascus. And this is what, what Jesus says. He's like, Jesus said, in, in today's vernacular, here's how you would understand it. Why are you pulling on a choke chain? Why are you doing this? Your, why are you pulling on a choke chain? He's saying your way is like 
The enemy will, he's the one who holds that leash eventually. He will get you into his way because it's just like, I can't breathe. And all your talent will be used against you because all your talent and strength is pulling on something that is against the way you were designed. Um, now, today's Christian, see, God has a, a place to get you into the supernatural, and that place is the house and the family of God. Now, today's Christian falls into the trap of choosing, are you ready, between God's family and their family, and then in, in sarcastic italics, for the good of their family. So, so the enemy, he wants you to start thinking that the church and your commitment are like, gotta be careful, like you gotta be, okay, that choosing between God's family and your family for the good of your family. Now, what he wants you to do, he desperately wants you to get your family not connected here. That's why every week we give you an invitation, like, go meet somebody. Let's go to the next step. Let's get into small groups. Let's, because we know that if you stay isolated and get out from under the covering of God's family, sooner or later, you won't, you won't have a family to speak of. Every person that has ever said to me, my family is more important than my church, has lost their family. Because God is like, hey, if this comes under my umbrella... I will give you all of those other things too. I don't mean everything works out because I mean sin still breaks up. But he's like, I will give you the best shot at a life that is abundant and like destiny. And I will make sure your kids end up on the right path. If you do these, if you bring under this umbrella. So this whole idea of like, I'm choosing for the good of my family. And so the enemy works this in like, well, hockey is a family thing. You know, can I go after hockey? Is that allowed? I don't watch hockey anymore. I'm like, it's sort of a family thing. Like... You take your kid for seven minutes across town and then they hang out with other families' kids and you hang out with other people's spouses up in the stands. <laughs> Come on, Ergie, don't make me, I'll go further. I've heard stories. This is whole thing. And I feel like God sometimes is like, so taking your family to the greater family at church, how is that not the best family activity that exists on earth? How is that not the best when you bring your kids in and then you're like, hey, you need to start developing your own relationship with Jesus. And we have your own church right there, like kids church. It's real church. Like this isn't real. That's the real deal over there. And it's like they start developing their own relationship with God. And then they come in here when they're like 12 and you're like, this is how we give. And this is how we pray. And this is how we raise our hands. And this is why we, and this is, and this like, how is God is like, how is your family not, not how, what's the best activity is church friend. Look. It's like, how is the best thing for your week not going, or for your month not going to first Wednesday for an hour and a half and getting plugged into the supernatural or spending 47 man hours fighting with your spouse because you didn't hear the prophetic word that would have kept you from all of that. He's like, I have ways to get you all the things. And it's not either or, it's both end. Now, here's the deal. When you start, ready? This is for somebody right now. When you start deciding and being the valve for how integrated and how you connect and where you fit in the church and what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. When you become the valve in the greater family of God's body, when you are the one who decides for your kids, what, when you are the one who I get responsibility, I have lots of kids, like I get it. But when you become the one who, who is trying to figure out your schedule, when that is you, that makes you the head of the family. We're like, what? Well, I thought the dad was the head of the family. Only under the real head of the family. And so listen, this is what we do. We're like, well, I know what's best for my family. And God is like, what? You. You, you got to church with pants on. He's like, I'm proud of you. But you know what's best now. You can see what's coming tomorrow. You know what small group you need to be in next. You know. 
there was something I want to say there, but I can't forget. It was, I forgot what it was. It was pretty funny. <laughs> it's so funny, but I can't remember what it was. It's this whole idea that that makes you the head of the family, but there's really only one head of the family who has the ability to make all these decisions for you. Oh, this is what it was. You're, this is what I was thinking about. This is what the Holy Spirit is like. Okay, God the Father, all the planets, if you think this is an accident, man, like, I don't know what you're on, but it must be great. But, like, take a look at, like, the disciplines of God's heart and mind keep the planets from colliding by, like, infinitesimally small instrumentation things that he is able to do. The, the entire universe is, like, this incredibly complex and you're like, but I better decide for my family how we get involved in church. Because God, I can't trust you to do that. And you're like, God can do that? I'll show you how he does that. You ready? Let's get right into the, uh, let's get right into the scriptures here. Um, he gives you the answers where he gives them. I think you just need to settle that. There's this thing. Can I say this? There's this thing that I've fallen in this trap. I think uh, North American Christians do this because we think that we're special or something or we're just proud. Whereas like I go to Jesus for everything and he is like answerable to me for everything. And, and so I used to pray like this, like, okay, God, and I would go to Jesus for everything. Now, now you can go to God and he will speak to you through the word of God and through worship and he will speak to you. Of course he will. But then there are other things that he won't give you there. He will give you however he wants to give you. So one time I was praying for something when I was a young man. And I'm like, God, like, give me an answer for this. I need some direction. And God's like, I already told you that I gave it to your pastor for you. So, and I'm like, God, well, why don't you just tell me and save time? Because I'm all, all about saving time. And God's like, do you want it or not? Because if you go this way, this takes humility. Right? If you hear from God directly all the time, you start thinking like, hey, I'm pretty, hey, I'm kind of roughly on God's, hey, you know why the body of Christ exists? To bring humility. He's like, if you want the gift, go to your pastor, who was my dad at the time, but he was an actual pastor. And I'm like, okay, so, so I went to him and, and dad's like, my pastor's like, yeah, this is what I feel like God is saying to you. And I'm like, oh, that's all I had to do because I hate losing everybody. I'm like, all I have to do to not lose is make sure I go where God said to go to get it. And I realized, then God blesses him for giving the word. He blesses me and he blesses the church family too. And he blesses everybody in my orbit because that's how God does it. It's like a cascading multiple exponential effect, right? Um, now one time, I got to share the story with you guys. One time I, I dated a girl named uh, Priscilla. She had a really cool name. This, you're like, how, how much is it going to say? Look, it was all like innocent enough and, and uh, I was dating this girl, but at the time I'm like, God, I don't want to date somebody that I'm not going to marry. That's a waste of time. I still think it's a waste of time. I'm like, I, I want to, God, is this a girl I'm supposed to marry? I kept asking God, like, God, is this a girl? Is this one? Is this? And I kept asking God and I kept asking God, but I couldn't really hear anything from God. And what I didn't really realize at the time was I kept, I kept sooner or later, if you keep asking God directly for what he gave somebody else for, for you, sooner or later, you'll hear something. And this is what I heard. This is what I heard God say. Ready? She's the one. Wait, is she though? You know what I didn't do? I didn't go to my community of faith. God was just trying to tell me like, go talk to your mom, see if she likes her. She said, it would be like getting a knife in the back every day till you die. This is what she said afterwards. And she wasn't kidding. 
This girl was not, I mean, Pastor Aaron is like 10 times smarter than this gal. This gal was intelligent, but she was so stubborn. And so stubborn makes you so stupid. You always think like, oh, I can change a stubborn man. No, you can't. The Holy Spirit can't even change somebody who's stubborn. Not until they give it up. I remember this is how dumb she was. You want to hear? So my, my best friend who told me about her after that's so why we broke up. Cause I finally listened to my best friend who went to church with me. He's like, she is so stubborn and so dumb. Like you do not want to keep dating this girl, uh, his own cousin, but God gave him a word for me that day. And I went back and I started thinking like, she never said thank you for anything. She something's wrong here. And I finally realized like, I don't want to be with somebody like that. He said, he said when, when, cause she moved from Italy and, and he's like, she was complaining that she had no room in her luggage. And this is what he said after. So I took the full, fully inflated basketball and volleyball out of her bag and took the air out. And then she had room. My mom was right. My mom was right. I got nothing against her, but she looked like a Christ follower, but she wasn't one. She was stubborn. She had her own thing. She was choosing her way and not God's way. Let me get into the scripture here. Um, oh my goodness. So many things to preach. Paul the Apostle, he's like, I got tired of pulling on the choke chain. I want to show you how not to do that. He's like, you can see easily enough how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. He's talking about the church now. He's talking to church people. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. No matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, he's going after this thing like one spirit. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. He's like, I used to live one of those. I was really good, but it was only partial and piecemeal. I see now I was missing life. He's saying, um, we used to independently, come on church people, this is the, his target audience. We used to independently call our own shots. Like this is how I interpret that in the Bible. This is how I'm going to raise my kids. This is how I. But then we entered into a large... An integrated life. God wants you integrated. You know that God can add time to your week? No, he can't. Oh, yeah, he can. He can take conflict out, which consumes your time. If you do it the right way. He can put oil in all of the gears of your relationships. He can put oil in your finances. He's like, give me the first tenth. Trust me with the first tenth. I'll make sure the other one is multiplied. 30, 60, 100 times X. He's like, I can do all of these things. A large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. I'm going to talk about marriage next week. Here's the problem if you're married. Here's the problem with your marriage. Is that as you versus her and it's you versus him. And it's you're each trying to call the shots. But what if Jesus was in the middle? And every time you forgave her, you were doing it not because she deserved it, but because Jesus said it. You're like, I can't forgive. And Jesus is like, if you will, I will pour the power in so that you can. Yeah. Oh, just come back next week. <laughs> Each of us is now part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. I want you to think how all this makes you more significant, not less. Society is telling you, like, you got to stand apart. You gotta, God is like, if you integrate more, I will make your significance here. It's the only place you can have all the money in the world out there and you will never feel significant because nobody can tell you that except for God who made you. And he's like, this is it. It's family. This is what we do. 
Refresh and sustain at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. I want you to think how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single blown, part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranging, arranged and functioning together. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. You want significance? This is the path. It is the only path. It is integrating into a large life. Come on up, worship team. I'm going to skip the last part of the scripture back there. Then he says this. Paul is like, I used to be one of these. I don't want it to be used. So I'm just going to tell it to you in language you understand. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. And some of y'all, we got a little work to do in our hearts. We just be like, uh, I'm the giant crazy looking hand. I'm just trying to do all the things. I'm trying to see all the things. I'm trying to say all the things. What we have is one bar body with many par parts, each its proper size and in its proper place, the way that God decides it, the way that God places you. Once you give up the struggle of God placing you in church, most of your, when, when I gave up that struggle in my early 20s, 90% of the conflict in my life went away. I just gave up and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let you do it. Oh my goodness, my life got, oh, I had all this energy. He said, no part is important on its own. Romans 12, in this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What he's saying is unity, not uniformity. It's like, you're different than you and you're different than you and you're different than me. And I need you and you need me and this is great. But we're all going in the same direction, decided by one head of the family, who is God. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Let me drop down a little. So since we find ourselves fashioned in all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Don't try to be what the person beside you is, we would lose your gift. And we need your gift. Relax. You don't have to do what they do. You don't have to be good at all things. You just have to be good at obeying God and letting him decide the results in your life. It says at the end of all that, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. That's the power struggle. Practice playing second fiddle. He's saying, you're not John Lennon. Just be a great Ringo. Don't be John Lennon either. He's saying, just let me do it and let me place you in. If you give up that fight, I'll fight your battles for you. 